Today on Locked On Red Wings, Scotty and I give you our top three reasons why the Detroit Red Wings could be better than they were last year. Your Locked On Red Wings, your daily podcast on the Detroit Red Wings, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome back to the Locked On Red Wings podcast. We are your hosts, Brian Fisher and Scotty Bentley. I am a podcast producer of the Daily J, a WWJ news radio podcast, while Scotty is the host of Locked On Tigers, as well as a freelance journalist for the Detroit News. And uh, today we're going to do something. um, Well, we do something every single day. Smooth intro, Brian. Today we're going to talk about the top three reasons why the Red Wings could be better this year than they were last year, which means... On Wednesday, we'll probably do the top three reasons they could be worse than they were last year. Um, but today, yes, top three reasons why we believe the Red Wings will, could be better. It, you know, it, it might it might even be a top six. Yeah. <laughs> well, we, we have different – it's it's each of our top three, and those might line up, they might not. So it might be somewhere between top three and six. Yeah, it's our individual three reasons. So yeah. it could overlap. We don't know yet. But – we're coming with three of our own, and we'll see. And, Scotty, do you want to lead things off here, man? What, what's the first reason you have that the Red Wings could be better? Sure, yeah. I, I mean, the biggest thing for me, and, and this probably isn't a surprise to our you know daily listeners because I've been talking about it pretty much at every opportunity I can for the, for the entire offseason, is uh, how – vital and imperative I think it is for this special teams unit to get better um I mean this just the last three years have been so bad and at one point historically bad for um not only the power play for sure but the penalty kill like just in that in that same area like that they've just been so horrific and I'm not really sure it's possible to take that huge step if you continuously throw out the 30th 31st 32nd uh power play and penalty kill unit in the nhl i mean there was a there was a joke amongst the red wings community last season right where it was like we would almost rather be on the penalty kill than the power play because we had a couple of shorthanded goals and the power play was just so useless or like we'd we'd rather be at full strength than on the power play like yeah we would get scored on Right, that was real. Play. Like that, that was real. Like this power play unit has been so bad. So, I, I think you know, like I said, I, it's something that I've been talking about for a long time. And, and and last season wasn't you know the the depths of the thirty second and like with a month left in the season, two seasons ago, we were on pace to be like one of the worst power play units ever or whatnot. Like that, it wasn't. We didn't quite reach the depths of that last season, but I mean, it was still like cellar dweller bottom of the league. And and so, um, yeah, I, I just I can't see a reality in which this team takes a step forward and gets into that like high 80, mid 80 team point total in the standings while still having an absolutely just irrelevant special teams unit. So I, I think that that's like at the top of my list. For yeah, sure. I mean, they were 32nd in the uh, league last year with penalty kill at 73.8%. They were just the worst team at penalty kill and they were 26th in the league at power play. 
Um, I believe the percentage for that was 16.3 conversion on uh, power play, which is just abysmally bad. And like you said, Scotty, this is something that we've harped on time and time again in the off season. And I think it's very apt to put it as, you know, one of the three reasons why the Red Wings could be better one, because you can't get much worse on the power play and you literally cannot get worse on the penalty kill. So, and I, I think that plays nicely into one of my reasons why I think the Red Wings will be better this year is coaching. I, you bring in a whole new coaching staff with a whole new scheme that you could run. Um, and then you run those things together and mm-hmm. you think, okay, as long as they're not 32nd, they're still better. Now we're not talking about like one spot better. I think we're, we'd both be probably pretty happy if they shoot for like league average, like 16th in the league, uh, both power play and penalty kill would be a good, a significant step forward for this team. But yeah, for me, my first one is, is coaching Scotty and, and coaching is, could be a huge role as to why this team gets better. I mean, Steve Eisman handpicked Derek Lalonde to be the head coach of the Detroit Red Wings. And he comes from an organization in the Tampa Bay lightning that has seen, as we all know, much, much success down there in Tampa, two straight Stanley cups, three straight Stanley cup final appearances, an absolute powerhouse of a team. So yeah, there's some, there might be a little bit of skepticism of how much Derek Lalonde played into that success when that team was absolutely stacked, but that team still has to gel. And coaching comes in so, so importantly when it comes to that. And the players on the Tampa Bay Lightning had nothing but great things to say about uh, Derek Lalonde. And then on top of that, you had the assistant coaching staff. You retained Alex Tangay. You got uh, Bugner. It's pronounced Bugner, um, which I still don't believe. But you you brought in guys who have experience, at you know, either playing in the NHL or being coaches in the NHL, as Bugner has been a head coach in the NHL with the San Jose Sharks at times. So you bring in lots of guys with experience to help out Derek Lalonde as his first-time head coach. But I'm not really worried about Derek Lalonde's head coaching experience, you know, because he becomes from an organization with such pedigree. And, you know, you forget that, don't you, lest you forget that Steve Eisman is the one who hired Derek Lalonde down in Tampa Bay to begin with. Now, he may have just, like, stamped the approval on top. It might have just been a John Cooper hire that he approved of. But nonetheless, like this is still a guy that Steve Eisman okayed hiring in Tampa Bay before bringing. So this is someone that Steve Eisman, who maybe maybe not had like super close relationship with, but knew about and had conversations with all along the way. So I I think that just to intertwine R2, R2, Scotty, that special teams could be better this year because head coaching could be better this year. Coaching in general could be better this year. And if both those things are better, the team's going to be better and that team could take a huge step forward for sure. Yeah. I'm, I'm not asking for, you know, a, a top five PK and, and power play unit. Like I'm not, like I'm not asking for a top five, a top seven, a top 10. Like I, I just want a competent special teams unit. Like I, you know what I mean? I, I just, I just want just that 16th in the league. Round right. Talk, yeah. That's all I'm me, asking for. If, if we end, if the first number, in our rankings is a one i will be thrilled (laughs) like that's all i need give me 19th i'll be thrilled like that's that's out out of the bottom 10 it's out it's out of the bottom 12 of the league like i I just want a a competent like this is is not gonna be the best you know they're not gonna score every time they go out there but like there is actually a chance of scoring power play goals and like it happens relatively often and 
the penalty kill, it, it there is a relative chance that we can stop a score, a score from happening. Like it's just, I, I just want it to be competent. I completely agree. I think that those are, are good ones to intertwine because the, we, we talked about it at the beginning of last season at well, multiple points last year, right? The, the, it, it was so bad. The, the special yeah. teams was so bad. And, and we talked about the lines that they were running out there and, and, and uh, the system the, was tired, man. Right. And they, the sets that they were running and, and um, you know, the, the, just everything like even, even like we were talking formations at one point last season and like, what, you know what I mean? Like, like what they're looking classics. like, like, why are they doing right? Like as they're, as they're entering the zone and stuff, like we really were trying to get to the bottom of why it was so terrible. And it, and it's just that for me, I, I think you bring in a new coaching staff, you know, completely, hopefully a, a new mindset when it comes to the special teams, you bring in some, some new players that can really, you know, at least shoot the puck. Uh, we'll see if they can fill the net. You know, I, I think that those two things are, very important for for this season if we want to be a better team. If I never see a dump and chase or a drop back pass zone entry oh again, gosh. it'll still be too soon. Uh, <laughs> I can you imagine being on the power play, and the way you choose to enter the zone is to give up possession of the puck by dumping it into the corner. But that's because they couldn't they couldn't clean enter cleanly any other way. Literally couldn't enter the zone. Wait, well, with an extra man, they could not enter the zone. So it was just like, yeah, we'll just dump it and see what happens. And I think another reason why the the special teams and the team in general could be better has to do with the players they added and the extra depth they have. And uh, we'll get to that in segment two. But first, I got to talk to you guys today about Built Bar. If you haven't tried Built Bar Puffs yet, you are depriving yourself of one of life's greatest joys. And guess what? There is a new flavor. Delicious, indulgent cookie dough covered in chocolate that's right built has done it again let me introduce you to your new favorite cookie dough chunk puffs have a light and chewy texture real cookie dough chunks and of course they are covered in 100 real chocolate all of the joys of eating cookie dough without the hassle of making it plus it's healthy for you too cookie dough chunk puffs are only 160 calories and they have a whopping 15 grams of protein in them run to built.com to snag a box for you and the family it'll be a perfect treat or you can find a really good hiding place and just hoard them for yourself. But let me tell you guys, going off script here for a second, they are legitimately really good. They send us these samples. We've talked about it in the past, Scotty, but they send us these samples to try before we talk about it. And the Chunk Puff and even just the, the, the OG cookie dough bar were really, really good. Phenomenal. But the, the Chunk Puff, man, I mean, it's a marshmallow with cookie dough chunks in it. It was legitimately, it felt almost like unfair that the a protein bar could taste that much like a candy bar. So I, I really do recommend them if you want a protein bar that actually tastes good. 100%. They're fantastic. Yeah, me and uh, me and my buddies ran through the box they sent us in like a night. It was unreal. So you're going to love the new ch- cookie dough chunk puff. Whether you need a snack for your workout, a late night treat, or just need to grab a quick bite, built is the perfect protein bar and they taste better than a candy bar. Ditch the calories, fat and sugar. Grab yourself a built bar, go to built.com use promo code locked 15 and get 15% off your order. Use promo code locked 15 for 15% off at built.com. Segment two lockdown Red Wings podcast. Scotty, I hinted at depth being my second reason why the Red Wings could be better. And that's another thing that we've harped on. I mean, this team is like 
got an over 50% turnover rate essentially yep. from last season. And the players they added through free agency are experienced players with success in the league. And then a couple guys that Steve Eisenman took the flyer on. But the main reason why I think depth could play into special teams, well, one, just because there's better players on the team, but you had a David Perron. David Perron is a power play savant. He scored 27 goals this last year, but he led the Blues in power play goals because he gets the puck, and not only is he a shooting threat, he's a great long-range wrist and snapshot, but he sees the zone really well, too. He's very good at setting up his uh, teammates in the offensive zone, especially on power plays. So while that's just one player, you add that that one player who's a huge plus along with the extra added depth around you, I mean, your special teams are going to look a lot better. So I think depth is going to be a huge reason why not just you know our special teams is going to look a lot better, but why the Red Wings as a whole could take a huge step forward this year because you know you look outside forward core as well. I mean, the defensive depth we've talked at end about. I mean, you replaced pretty much ha- over half of your defensive core this last offseason. You've added Mark Pistick, who's out with an Achilles injury, but he'll be back. But you've also gotten Olimata, who's a defensive defenseman. He's really strong in his own zone. You've added Ben Sherratt, who will play top-line minutes with Mo Sider. So these there, there's guys on this team now who know how to play defense. And that's that it cannot be sung enough. And then, of course, if Simon Edvinson makes the team, I mean, this new defense is leagues better. So when it comes to depth, man, depth is the probably even I, – I, I'd argue – it's tough along with coaching. Cause it's like, what's, what's number one in my heart. Cause having players who can play the game is important, but having a coach who can lead the players is another prop thing. So I, I'd argue co- the de- added depth is just as important, if not more impo- important than the coaching. Yeah. The, you know, depth is something we have talked about at lengths in our tenure as as you and I being hosts no one and I talked about it a ton back two seasons ago like this has just been been something that has been a massive issue for the Detroit Red Wings ever since on it probably ever since lockdown Red Wings started probably <laughs> like Nolan's first episode depth depth has been a massive problem for this team for years and you know, across the board, they got better in depth. They got better goalie depth. They got better defenseman depth. They got better forward depth. They, across the board, pretty significantly improved their defense. And that is obviously a fantastic sign. Um, I think offensively, like you said, obviously it'll it'll take a – that will directly help the special teams as well. But – you know, just on on even strength offense, I, I think that this team is now it, for the last two years. Last year it got a little better, but I'll I'll talk about that later. Like it was to a point where, like, do you remember the Larkin Mantha line where it was just like if they didn't score, the Wings were getting shut out, yeah. and that was just like it. So like that's that that was was terrible right like if 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 mantha and larkin didn't score like if the top line didn't score it was over and we were not only losing but we we were probably getting shut out and going from that to then last year's team you know the the growth where last year you know for the 
we got off to that hot, hot start, and then it got to a point again where it was like, okay, if the Raymond, Larkin, Burt line wasn't scoring, like it was probably going to be a pretty quiet night. And then they moved Burt and, and formed the Guelph line, and we finally, for the first time in, in, in maybe half a decade, had like scoring and, and production outside of just our top line. And that's just such a vital part to the to having a, a, a competent and competitive hockey team. And and so I think that's a really big it's a really big thing. And so I think offensively that's uh that that's the biggest thing. You just want to have production and, and scoring outside of your top line. And then like the next step of that is is outside of your top six. Like you want to be able to be a, a scoring throw on your bottom six lines too and hopefully all the additions we made this offseason will lead to that. But I think, you know, th- this kind of leads me into my second one as well, which is defense. And, uh, well, uh, I think technically I wanted to say defensemen that were newly acquired defensemen, but that's like all but two people anyway. So, like, it's fine. It's pretty much just defense. Um, but I-, I think defensive depth is really what I was going for. Like, d- defensemen not named Moritz Sider. And that that – is almost a completely different room this year than it was last year. So I think the newly acquired defensive pieces, and and like you said, some of those are forwards as well, but the newly acquired, uh, you know, pieces to improve this defense, I, I think is is absolutely vital as well. Like you're talking about, we, we talked about on the Sens show last week, this is a team that in the second half of the year, it, it was literally like we were getting scored like five, six, seven goals against us a night. It it was brutal. And we talked about it over and over and over again. Ned got the biggest short end of the stick because he, we kept saying like this save percentage is not reflective of how good he looks like this looks, he, he, he looks pretty solid. It's just, he, there is no defense on this team. And so I think to, again, like how, how can you, how can you possibly say that, oh, yeah, like if the defense is the same as last year, like we're just going to be fine again? Like that's impossible, right? Like that was a historically bad second half defense. So I think that all the new pieces on on defense, like we know what we're getting in everybody that's returning defensively and the forwards and, and, and what they can do defensively. The biggest thing is just going to be how well do these new pieces translate on the defensive side of the puck? Yeah, I mean, like, so depth is kind of a broad point. But if you want to focus in on defense, as your point is, you look at the players who are on the defense at the start of last season. You no longer have Troy Stetcher. You no longer have Nick Letty. You no longer have Mark Stahl. You no longer have Danny DeKaiser. Dan Renouf is no longer with the organization, if I recall correctly. Man. Um, Oli Ulevi, who you picked up through waivers, no longer with the team, uh, as, as well as... Uh, Troy, Troy Stetcher got traded. I already said that. So, you know, you have a, a handful of guys. I mean, that's what, one, two, three, four, five, six defensemen. And Dan Renouf only played four games, but that's six defensemen who are no longer with the organization that you started with last year. And then you went and replaced those guys with Ben Sherratt, Oli Mata, uh, Jake Wallman, who's out because of surgery. You acquired him at the trade deadline. Uh, Mark Pissick, who's out with injury, but will return. And then a couple of other defensemen that are depth pieces that will, you know, fill in as, as needed. And uh, Robert Hag and guys like that. So 
you, you've completely changed, I mean, six defensemen out and then four or five defensemen in, you know, several of these guys who are going to be impact defensemen. Now, I'm not saying like you're going to have the best defense in the league, but we're talking about things that could make the wings better. You couldn't get much worse than this defense, uh, defensive core last year. We've talked about it, you know, on end about the fact that they had the worst goals against per 60 in the league by a wide margin. And you add it, you take, you, when you subtract what you subtract and you add what you add, you know, it's still a huge, huge plus. Not saying uh, that these guys that they got are like the cream of the crop free agents, but they're still leagues better than what the Red Wings had at the time. So this defense is just so much more solid. And the focus on defensive defensemen at that, I mean, Mark Pissick and Noli Mata are defensive defensemen. Ben Sherrod is a very physical defenseman who stands up for his, his teammates and defends the net front presence re- very well. So you add guys who aren't even focused on scoring goals, but focus on securing your own zone, which is very, very intentional. That, yeah, this defense, while still not being like the, a top 10 d- defense in the league probably, is still leagues, leagues better and will help the Red Wings take that step forward. So I, I, yeah, completely agree with you. And I agree with you when you talk about goaltending as well, because that is my next point is when you focus in that depth argument, you talk about the goaltending tandem. You went from Alex Nedeljkovic and Thomas Grice to Alex Nedeljkovic and Vili Husso. You went from a 25-year-old, now 26, and I think a 37-year-old in Thomas Grice to a 27-year-old in Vili Husso. I mean, you got 10 years younger on your second goaltender and better <laughs> and leagues better. Yeah. The only, the only thing is, you know, Vili Husso is, I don't want to call him unproven, but it's the same argument that people made with Alex and is that year, yeah. he was a bit sheltered in St. Louis blues system. And, but I think Vili Husso being as young and as talented as he is com- combined with Alex and one, they'll push each other because they're both going to want to be the starter. They'll push each other, make each other better. They're playing behind a better defense, as I just stated. And on top of that, you know, you're looking at uh, two goalies who are going to be able to share time. Whereas halfway through that season, it became apparent that Nedeljkovic was going to have to carry the bulk of the workload until he really fell apart, which he did it a couple times. So I think the fact that they're going to, one, push each other for playing time, but also share that playing time is going to be a huge boon of both of their performances. I think being able to spread out their playing time is going to be able to help them stay on top of their game more often. So if you're looking at a perfect world, 42 game, 42 game split with the two, two goaltenders, I wouldn't be surprised if both of these goaltenders have save percentages above nine ten, which is perfectly healthy save percentage. You want out of a goaltender. I mean, you, oh, you get above nine twenty, Now you're talking superstar oh, goaltender yeah. status. So I think that goaltending is a huge reason why this team could be better. So my three, my three things, man, it's coaching, it's depth and it's goaltending. Those are my three things. Yeah, and and you know the the fascinating thing with the goaltending is I had to make sure I didn't say interesting there. The fascinating thing with the goaltending is uh, is like you said, it's it's a situation in where the new guy we bring in is very much like. Ned last year and like a very similar type of situation like young goaltender you know what I mean like that's a and I don't know it's 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 just a fascinating situation to be in where two years in a row we kind of have this oh we we 
for a low price, got a relatively young goalie that has had like pretty good NHL success on good teams. Like that's, it's almost copy and pasted. And so I think if, if, I don't know. I, I I personally think that this goalie room has the potential to be one of the better goalie rooms in the NHL. Not tandem wise, yeah, yeah. Like not that not that either of these dudes are are you know going to win Vesna or anything. But I, I I truly do think that this we we have the potential to have one of the best goalie duos in the entire league and i think that that coming to fruition would obviously be huge yeah i don't think either of these guys is like a true one right now i don't think they are they not saying they couldn't become that that's what uh they're trying to accomplish right now in their careers is becoming a true one we don't have a vasilevsky and a backup we have a closer to a kemper francois situation that colorado had where you had two guys who were solid in net and could win you games and you played whoever one at the time was playing hotter and that's a good problem to have. I mean, you look you look at how it turned out for Colorado this year. Granted, Colorado has a stacked team in front of them, but you can make do with that, and it can. Uh, it's a helpful. stacked offense. <laughs> it's, a, it's a stacked offense and a stacked defense. Yes, for uh, sure, for sure. But, but I, I like it's not not to detract from my thing point to be a goalie when when you have you know, like, you know that you're going to put up four a night. Like, you know what I mean? Like, that's a little different mindset. I think so when it comes to the Vili Husso argument, though, about him being sheltered, there's one thing I want to point out. Alex Andalkovich had a goal saved above expected of a negative 11 and a half this past year. That means that he saved 12 goals less than he was expected to across the season, which is basically trying to say, like, he underperformed too. Even though the team in front of him was yeah. bad, he underperformed too, and he owns it. He didn't have the best season last year. And I think, you know, again, the team was really bad in front of him. I'm sure there was some, like, mental aspects. You can't expect him to stand on top of his head every single night when he's getting shelled. But he's saved 12 goals less than he should have, according to, you know, your advanced metrics. Billy Huso, in that shelt- sheltered St. Louis Blues. He do um, a lot of hand motions right now, man. <laughs> in that sheltered St. Louis Blues organization, had a goal saved above expected of 14.14. So even though the Blues were sheltering him, that one's for you, Scotty, he uh, he still saved 14 more goals than he was expected to have. So that is an upward trend that you want to see out of any goalie playing in any organization because that's what that metric tries to determine is take away the team he was on and try to find out how effective he was. Nedeljkovic was a little bit underperforming, whereas Huso overperformed probably. So you you get you look at that and you're thinking, okay, well, maybe they even each other out a little bit, especially playing on a little bit of a better Detroit Red Wings team this season. So again, you don't want to take you don't want to look at that goal saved above expected and go, this is true, hundred percent, because there is so much of a mental aspect to the game, especially when you're playing on as good of a team as Huso was and as bad of a team as Nadalkovich was, that could have been the reason why these goals saved above expected weren't as good as they were, but it does show it does have some truth, speak to some truth about how they actually performed. So Vili Husas excites me a lot. Yeah, for sure. And I think my my third and final one um, is very specific and, and individual player-wise. You know what I mean? <laughs> He's big on the hand motions. Look at him. Um, we, uh, I don't know. Like, I, I feel like my first two were, were a little more general. And this one, I think... 
you know, there's an old adage, your team is only as good as your best player. Like that's a, I'm not sure I completely subscribe to that, but at the end of the day, I, I think that Dylan Larkin's success is absolutely vital to this team. And, and not that he needs to go out and win a heart and, and, you know, put up whatever, like 120 points or anything ridiculous. But I do think that him at least repeating, if not improving even a little bit more, assuming health over his season last year is pretty vital to the success of this team. I I really can't see a situation in which Larkin takes a step back from last year and goes back to kind of that range and where he was before this past season. And the Red Wings take a huge step forward as a team. And, and I, there's, we really don't have anybody else that you can slide in uh, and be a bona fide one C. So like, if he does struggle, you can't just be like, Oh, we'll just switch him with the two C right. Like that's not really, an option i mean like you could but it, you know long term wise when you look at the where where the the franchise is headed and whatever that's not a that's not a long-term solution um so i i, I just i really think that dylan larkin's success and 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 his production is absolutely vital and and you know it it starts with we talked about depth and we talked about how important it's going to be for for production outside of just the top line um but the top line does get the most minutes and if you're not getting production out of your top line that is code red like worst case scenario so i i just think that him being that like point of game or better player that he was until the injury this season at least that is is really going to be super important for uh, this offense, I guess, specifically, but therefore, you know, direct correlation to the team's success as well. Well, the old saying goes, and that one's not unintentional. I just am talking with my hands a lot today. The old saying goes, it starts with your captain, right? Yep. It starts at the top. And so I think that's very apt. I mean, he's coming off a near career high season that was unfortunately stopped short because of his injury. But if he can continue what he was doing this last season, which was a huge improvement on seasons prior, then I think the rest of the team will follow. It's often a domino effect in the best of ways and in the worst of ways. I mean, if your coach's message gets stale, the team stops responding. We saw that. We replaced the coach. Right? Right. We replaced the coach. So if your captain goes out there and just starts playing his game the way he did last year through all the hardship, then I think the rest of the team will continue to follow. Because I would argue that the bulk majority of this Red Wings team's success last year and when I say success, I mean the, the first half of the season where they were playing above their playing out of their depth, you know, just insane beating teams. They shouldn't be yeah, staying 500, for sure, you know, yeah. fighting for wild card up until, you know, the new year ish. I mean, that was because Dylan Larkin was going out there at the start of every game and scoring in like the first minute. Yeah, and we, he, we talked he led about the league. I don't know if he ended the season leading the league, but I think out at the all-star break, he led the league in goals in the first to like two, three or five minutes of the game or something like that. Yeah. It is just so vital that Dylan Larkin be able to maybe not even, I wouldn't even argue take a step forward, but just go out there, be healthy and do what he was doing last year, mm-hmm. the rest of the team to follow. And you could make the same argument that Moritz Sider had that same effect with his, you know, I don't want to say youthful innocence because that sounds like I don't. But, you know, he was really, really good, but he also didn't take it overly serious in like the best of way. You know, he was he very much kept the room's mood like lighthearted, 
which is important. And so I think, you know, Moritz Sider had the same effect on the defensive side of things where he's like, I'm just a young guy having fun playing the game. I love and being damn good at it in the process. So I think, you know, Dylan Larkin, and if you want to toss in Moritz Sider, just going back out there and doing exactly what they did last year is one of the few players you could say, do that, do what you did last year and the team will get better (laughs) because most of the guys, you say that and you're like, no, you can't do what you did last year. <laughs> but Dylan Larkin and Mort Sider were so phenomenal last year. I mean, I, it starts with those two guys. I, I really agree with you that Dylan Larkin is the number one reason on the Red Wings as to why they could be better next year because it starts with your captain. It really does. Yep, absolutely. Anyways, any final thoughts, man? We ball. We ball. We'll be back on Wednesday with the – Three reasons, three of each of our reasons are each three reasons. How am I trying to say this? It's the best way of saying each this. of our three reasons, each of our three reasons why the Red Wings could be worse and why our podcast could be worse because I can't talk <laughs> on Wednesday. <laughs> so same time, same place. It's your team every day. Every day.